the perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back, everybody. Everybody's back to the Cover 3 podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Tom Fernelli. That's Danny Cannell. That's Bud Elliott. I'm Chip Patterson coming to you live at youtube.com slash cover three. Our normal Monday, 3 p.m. Eastern time hangout. So much to get to from across the weekend. There was uh, coaching news that was trying to interrupt our award-winning Watch party for the Army Navy game, you know. So we got it. We got to make sure that we circle back to that. Now we've got tons of transfer portal news to hit, and one very very big piece uh, in that. But I can can I just start with a, a vibe check on Bud Elliott? How we doing right now? I know I feel like we blew your spot up. Uh, saying something on the podcast. I didn't want to like undercut any big social media announcements that you had, but so many people in the chat were concerned that you were not around for multiple. Sh- oh, do we lose chip? Wait, did, chip, did we, do we lose chip? We lost chip. But anyways, the- our chips have another kid, uh, an announcement during when he's frozen. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, you, you froze there for a second there, chip, but bud, so how's everything? Bud, going? how we doing? Yeah. Vibe check. Uh, vibe check is, is good. <laughs> mom, mom and baby are healthy and, uh, everybody's doing really good. I, I'm more on the, uh, the two year old duty. She's a little more equipped to handle, uh, the, the needs of, of the five day old. So uh, everybody's doing well and uh, I'm pretty excited. It, it's definitely a change though. There's there no doubt about that. Well, we begin uh, with a look at the transfer portal because just a, a massive story from over the weekend as Quinn Ewers, who you will remember was committed to Texas, then decommitted from Texas, then committed to Ohio state then reclassified so he could get there a year earlier and capitalize on some name, image, and likeness and and other uh, opportunities to be with the Buckeyes. Entered the transfer portal to leave Ohio State and now has committed once again to Texas. So the number one quarterback in the class of 2022 now looks like he's going to be arriving at Texas, I guess, as originally scheduled. Um, like, Danny... It, we you enjoyed the the Quinn Ewers story just sort of as the, the the face of what could be like new or modern in in college football. What do you make about his move and uh, and what it might mean for the Longhorns? So, I mean, it's, I'm curious. Did he just go just go secure the bag just for one year, and that was the plan all along? Because he knew that that depth chart was loaded. That was a spot where he could bank it and then come back. Obviously, leaving that early year and I don't blame him if he did like if that's what he did he did I find it fascinating and I do not get into you know following recruits watching high school tape I just don't I rely on the guys at 24-7 I have guys on God like guys like Bud who see him in person but even if I did see him you're still talking about a guy who only played a year and a half of high school football his last his last full season was his sophomore year, and we're ready to go. Like this is this is the Texas Longhorn salvation. Like good luck, I guess you know. And if maybe he's the next Trevor Lawrence, who was you know really hyped. Maybe he's the next Justin Fields. Maybe he's the next whoever Bryce Young. But to bank your entire future on that at that program, I think it's a little bit dicey. I think there'll be competition at the job. It's just this will be just the latest in the long line of quarterbacks who have been hyped up coming out of high school. But I think there's been a lot of them. There's been some that have been successes. Some have been misses. I don't know. I, he's a polarizing dude for sure. He is really talented uh, physically. Obviously, like Danny said, he does need some polish. But even though the high school career was short, and it was, he also accomplished like a, a ton. I mean, he, he was 
absolutely doing to the Texas high school record books what Trevor was doing in Georgia, right? Mm-hmm. He just you know ended up kind of cutting it a year short. They were playing good competition. He was largely dominating that competition physically. He pretty much checks all the boxes. Uh, he went to the one quarterback room that is probably like the most loaded in the entire country and couldn't beat out C.J. Stroud, who we had, I think, as the number three quarterback uh, in that class that also had D.J. and Bryce, right? So like a, a very loaded thing. Uh, C.J. would have been my number one over Spencer Rattler had he been a year older, just to put it in perspective. I, I thought we had three kids in that 2020 quarterback recruiting class that were better than anybody that we had in the 2019 class. I didn't work for 247 back then, just letting you guys know what my personal opinion was at the time. Um, but there's no doubt Quinn Ewers is a name that's going to resonate with recruits in the state of Texas. Uh, Texas is doing all it can to load up on, on NIL stuff, which I think we are already seeing help them a lot in recruiting along the offensive line, getting some guys to block for Quinn Ewers. And let me ask you this. How annoyed do you think Tom Herman is? There's a lot of a lot of different things that got Tom Herman fired, but losing Quinn Ewers, especially when he reclassed, that probably was one of the nails in the coffin there. And now Quinn Ewers is on pace to be, as Chip said, to be the Texas quarterback exactly you know, 18 months ago when we all thought he was going to be before he reclassed. Do you think that he is he is not an instant impact player, right? I think he could be. I mean, wow. we, we don't know because CJ is pretty damn good. He was a Heisman finalist, right? What mm-hmm. what, what teams would, would Quinn have started on this year? Would he have started for the Aggies? I think so. Would he have started for for Georgia? Maybe. Tell me how hurt JT Daniels was. And I'm still not sure on that. It's not even just how loaded the Ohio State QB room is. It's the fact that Ewers got in there late. So it's like he right. had so much ground to make up for. So to expect him to be able to beat out anybody there – you'd have been asking an awful lot of them. And I think Stroud played so well that there was probably never even really a consideration for it. But like, is going back to some of Danny's concerns too, like, is there any tape of him throwing from both feet on the ground? Cause I feel like every single highlight video I've seen of Quinn Ewers is him trying to throw like Pat Mahomes, like jumping off of one leg and throwing sidearm. It's like, is there anything that's just like an over the top kind of throw? The move, the sticks guy, uh, I forgot what his name was, but I, I, I met him out there. You go. Yeah. Um, yeah. he does a lot of NFL stuff. He was at the Clarkson QB retreat, I know, and was pretty wow. If, if I if I got the right guy on Twitter, I'm pretty sure I do because I know he goes to a lot of the Elite 11 stuff out there. Uh, he had some clips that he had put out that he was really impressed by. I so there was a highlight video of him at some passing, you know combine i don't know what it was and i put it out and i like hey where should he go and i was like somewhere that can fix his mechanics the ball jumps off his arm but his footwork is atrocious and i he looked like he was trying to make every mahomes throw to tom's point and uh, and like a lot of texas people and you know ohio state people or wherever he was kind of up in there were like oh well, it looks just like patrick mahomes i'm like well maybe there's just one patrick mahomes that's probably the more likely scenario than you're going to buck the trend because even in some of these systems where you are throwing and it's RPOs and you're throwing on the move, they're still going to want you to throw from the pocket, like Tom's saying, with your feet set and with good footwork. I mean, you get graded on your footwork. And when I said mechanics, I think some people were like, well, it's throwing motion. I mean, it was a lot of sidearm stuff, which doesn't even bother me. It was more to me about the footwork. And Quinn Ewers is a lot to take in, man. The white, the, the bleach blonde mullet and the get up. Like, let's just be honest here. I watching Bryce Young handle himself, watching Justin Fields handle himself, watching Trevor Lawrence, like go watch the quarterbacks that have had success. They're not, they're not punks, you know, like they're good, they're good dudes. They're good leaders. They're pretty grounded. Like, yes, occasionally there's somebody who has success. Everybody, like everybody was hoping, oh, Johnny Manziel, he's going to buck the system and look at the way he plays. And, you know, Baker Mayfield probably was the closest thing to that and, you know, has this edge to him. Man, don't don't put extra bullseyes on your back. You know, like do handle your business, be a leader. I get you're a star, but let the star come. Like you don't have to be ahead of the game. And it feels a little bit like Quinn Ewers is liking being a part of this, which is okay, but you can get humbled really, really fast. That's all I'll say. Like you can get humbled really fast. Spencer Rattler, who we saw for an entire year and played pretty well, lost his job. 
And I think it's because of the way he handled himself off the field. Like I just, that's a hunch. I don't think his teammates loved playing with him the way he carried himself. And that's the bottom line is playing a quarterback. You got to have guys that want to rally around you, not look at you and just say, oh man, who's this guy again? You can do it if you ball out every time, but the minute you face some adversity, you better be ready for it. I mean, that means it's it's a lot to deal with. And I don't I don't know him, so it's not fair. Like at least Spencer Rattler, I saw a lot of QB1. I was like, yeesh. Maybe Quinn Ewers is a great teammate. I don't know. But man, it's a lot to take in now. And he's coming with a lot of baggage with the transfer going to grab the bag, coming back. You know, the recruiting process is already a little bit all over. I hope it works, but we'll see. Danny, how well do you think he can uh, sort of you know, have a fresh start there with a Texas roster that, I mean, just listen to the comments of Bo Davis on that bus. Like, it's pretty clear there's a lot of strip mining that needs to be done on that Texas roster. All these kids at Texas is recruiting uh, are likely familiar with Quinn from his time as a recruit, I mean, before he reclassed, he was at these camps with these dudes who were in his same grade. Uh, it, like, do you? How much do you think the Ohio State stuff is going to impact him negatively? It depends, I, and this goes back to what type of kid is he? He could he could be Sark's savior from a culture standpoint. I mean, your quarterback drives the culture, right? Like you get somebody in here with Bryce Young, Trevor. Like again, go through those list of guys. Hey. We haven't won anything. Like, we got to go out there. We got to start earning it and leads out in the offseason because that's where the quarterback matters the most. It's the intangibles. All these, most of these guys at power five level that are four and five star recruits, even three stars, they can all throw it similarly. You know, yeah, there's a difference. You might have a little bit better of an arm and you can run a little bit more. But the difference is the intangibles, your leadership style. And he could be, he could help turn it around or he could be the demise. Like, if he comes in there and he's one of those guys, that Bo Davis is calling out and he's kind of a punk and feels like all I have to do is show up, let's roll. Like that could be the downfall too. And I don't know. And that's why I feel, I don't feel, I feel like I'm being a little too harsh on him without knowing him. But that to me is the biggest question mark of all of them. Cause you know, on the field is a big enough question mark because he doesn't have, you know, the talent in that helps if Bryce Young had talent around him, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, they all had a ton of talent. I would say Quinn Ewers isn't going to have as much talent around him. You know, so he's going to have to lift them up on the field and he's going to have to lift them up as a culture, like get the culture back. And it's a lot. So um, can we play a little game? Of, uh, yeah, it's oh, awesome. Sorry. Oh, yeah, can we I've never it? watched it, but Mm-mm, it's you don't want to. You I was there when they were filming it. <laughs> you what might be in it. Who knows? Yeah, I signed, the, I signed the release. For what? The QB1 hit rate. Mm-hmm. It's not been great. Not super high. Mm-hmm. No. No, everyone's always got uh, – it only comes out negatively. No one ever says, I saw that guy in QB1, and I knew he was the truth. Jake Fromm. Jake Fromm worked Fromm, out. Great dude. Yeah. Like, I'm like that. And that's – I kind of realized why he got such a long leash. Because you're like, okay, he can lead. The kids like him. Got a humble kid. Like, you understood. I think Justin Fields came across pretty well. I didn't Is think he, he – I okay. thought he was pretty good kid. But, like, from a – standpoint of like just good dude where it makes a lot of sense i was like oh okay i get why kirby gave him such a like let him be the leader of the program while he wasn't out there lighting up the statistics yeah jake from justin fields and sam hartman uh from short round would be the ones and i guess tate martell was in there too so he would be on the bad big side. red flag like that was a huge one. Oh yeah. man you go back and watch him it was it, i had the same vibe there were two guys that really rubbed me the wrong way it was Tate Martell and it was Spencer Rattler. And I was, uh-oh, like whoever these guys go, better watch out. And you can see it coming from a mile away. That's why if I was a coach, I mean, I wouldn't, first of all, I wouldn't love if my quarterback did it. But if he did and he brought what those guys brought, I'd be like, uh-oh, what are we getting into? Would this have been awful if he had not gone to Texas? Because Steve Sarkeesian right now coming off a five and seven season is in a position where, you know, early signing day coming up, early signing period, excuse me, coming up on Wednesday and Texas is trying to make a bunch of positive waves. They're trying to have a good off season to reverse what was an absolute collapse down the end of the year. If Quinn Ewers goes anywhere but Texas, I was going to overreact and say that this is a bad sign for the Steve Sarkeesian era. Is is it as simple as being able to secure uh, that in-state talented quarterback, bring him in? Is is that the kind of thing where uh, Steve Sarkeesian would be – like I don't think he gets a thumbs up for getting Quinn Ewers, but I think that if he didn't get Quinn Ewers, it would have been very, very bad. Am I grading that wrong? 
I don't think so because I think optically, like what were the two top choices from what we understood? It was Texas or Texas Tech. If you're going through the season you just had in your first year at Texas and then Quinn Ewers becomes available and you've got a second shot to land him and you have him on campus and all that kind of stuff as part of the transfer. And then he ends up choosing Texas Tech, which is going to have a brand new coaching staff. I mean, maybe it's not really bad for your program overall, but just optically and narrative surrounding it, that would probably be bad headlines for you. Yeah. Well, especially because Hudson, like Hudson Card did not light up the world this year, right? Mm-hmm. So if, if Hudson Card was more promising, then no. But since Ewers was clearly ahead of Card as a recruit, I think it, yeah, you, you're, if you didn't land him, it's potentially a red flag. I'm not going to say a huge one, but potentially. By the way, you know what adds more pressure than this, maybe to anything? The rumor of four million bucks, like that's the rate. Of, have you guys heard that? No. no. Yeah, like that. I, I and this is, it's a lot of money. I mean, they were saying. I mean, I'm sure you guys saw some of the reports. Texas is planning on offering Quinn Ewers first round NFL type money, and it's not that. But he's not coming back just because he loves. You know, let's hook him. He's not coming back just for that. And when that gets out, like that's going to add one more layer of pressure to him. Four. Mill? That's it's a quarterback. It makes total yeah. sense. I follow the math. Follow the math he here. Already have we made, done this? He we already made. He already made. Young. We did it at signing we, day with Bryce and Young, we, and, and we we yep. did the Cam Newton and 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 mm-hmm. account for inflation. Yeah. Okay. He, he already made one point four with this, uh, and it's that's documented. It's a three year deal, one point four. He already made that. Like so, he's already got some cash. But I guarantee he wasn't coming back for just because he wants to love love a Texas. You know, I don't. I don't. But that's another layer of pressure on him because these reports will be out there. And it's like, okay, fans look at you differently. I mean, it's, that's mm-hmm. the difference. I mean, we're all happy players are able to make money. But, man, they are – and not not that they were probably like, man, let's not boo this guy because he's a college kid. I don't think they're thinking that. But some of the vitriol and some of the hatred I do think will get louder because they can feel free to tee off on him. I mean, just look at, like, the situation in Oklahoma this year. You've got fans chanting, you know – for Caleb Williams, and you know, ironically, they're chanting for Spencer Rattler when Williams is struggling. But that's not something that usually happened in the college game. That now that this is happening and Quinn Ewers is getting, if he's not playing well and he's getting that kind of money, even though it's not your money, why the hell would you care? It just adds an entirely different element to the fan player relationship that we're going to see because of this. Did he get an Alexa deal? Because I really thought like his announcement on Twitter was great with George Strait. Uh, take me to Texas, right? But if he if he had an Alexa deal with that, that would be really smart. <laughs> so uh, Quinn Ewers, probably the biggest transfer portal splash so far. Lots of other quarterbacks on the move. Uh, USC's Keaton Slovis into the transfer portal. Texas A&M's Zach Calzada into the transfer portal. Auburn's Bo Nix into the transfer portal. And I, I'm going to throw this last one in here. Jordan uh, th- threw a good suggestion. Honestly, I had not been plugged into this story so but i hope you can help me here but cameron ward from incarnate ward is now a like a top transfer portal prospect he was visiting Ole miss over the weekend like how how do you look at uh the these some of these quarterbacks that are available and which one of these stories stands out the most to you so i think you can read into it as like is it about the player or is it about the program right cameron ward is certainly somebody that a lot of players or excuse me, a, a lot of coaches out there are excited to learn more about. I have not personally had a chance to watch him, so like I can't tell you guys exactly how good he's going to be. I've got a little bit of back backlog uh, of guys to watch here in the portal. Um, with Bo Nix, you guys know my opinion on the Auburn situation, right? Now they're out an office coordinator. They tried to hire Zach Hill. Depending on who you want to believe, did Auburn compliance say, and eh, we're not going to do that given the Arizona State situation right now? They still don't have an OC hired. He had a decent year this year. I mean, certainly better than he had had previously. Um, maybe him and Patrick are looking for a more stable situation than what Auburn offers right now. Um, oh, yeah, I, Tank Bigsby's in the portal too. It's yeah. I, I I mean the, the the rumor in the coaching world there is Georgia. He's, he's not technically in the portal yet. By the way, he's just uh, there's reports and belief that he'll go into the portal. Uh, I don't think as of I, mean, I can check our. Can we uh team list. that will give him the ball? Yeah. Yeah. He's got <laughs> one play. Two. I mean, can we play a game real quick just for the quarterbacks? Yeah. Yeah. Because I was thinking about this. Like, would you want him? 
And clearly it depends on where you I? are. Huh? Can, can we assign different schools to each of the three of us? Sure. I'm yeah, because I do think it matters where you are, right? I think it does matter where you are. And clearly there would be an upgrade. But some of these guys, like, I don't know if I would want them. I'd be like, yeah. But I, and I'm surprised that some teams are going after them. I would say of the names that I've seen in there for sure, Dylan Gabriel is probably the one that I'm like slam dunk. I would go get him. Like, what? What? Just show me what to do. Like, let me get Dylan Gabriel in here. Is there another one on there that like you're like universally wherever he goes, you're kind of like, yeah, that's the guy. Max Johnson. Yep, that's two. Especially well, especially if you get Jake. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, is Max Johnson a freaky quarterback? I don't think so. I mean, I think his athletically he's okay. Physically, the arms fine. I don't think it's special. I think he's pretty accurate though, and he and he knows where he's going with the ball. Um, Isn't he not a jag the, though? Isn't he like a, a tick above a jag? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, if you get the brother though, like the brother is legitimately a very good tight end prospect. Um, mm-hmm. Then, yeah, I'm definitely taking Max Johnson if I can. Calzada jumping in the portal, by the way. I was trying to read Danny's face, see if he had any giveaways there. <laughs> so where, d- depending on like what school <laughs> are you talking about? No, I was saying, well, uh, if you want to talk about the Johnsons. Calzada jumping in the portal. Jimbo constantly trying to take these mobile quarterbacks with big arms and make them accurate, and he can't do it. But if you give him some guy who's pretty accurate, the offense seems to hum pretty well, and Mm. he has a good track record of developing tight ends, and now Zach Calzada jumps in the portal. Mm. Mm. So, Danny, are you saying that, like, Keaton Slovis, your answer is no. Bo Nix, your answer is no. Well, I think it depends on where you're talking, but a lot of these guys, like, if you were talking about a school – like that needs a quarterback to get to the national championship or, you know, to get over that hurdle or to turn us, turn a program around. I think it might be no on some of these, you I know, like so. a Keaton Slovis or like a Zach Calzada or even Bo Nix. I think Bo Nix is interesting though, because somebody's going to try to, somebody's going to try to rehab him, give him one more job. He's taking a lot of snaps and by all accounts, he's a good kid, like, you know, good, tough kid, but can you, can you develop him? You know? Yeah. I, I feel like, I don't know. It's I'm trying to figure out what Bo Nix's level is. Cause I do think that he's a good quarterback and that there's a better quarterback than what we've seen in there. I also think that he could be helped if he's in the right offensive system that can actually develop him. Because when he showed up at Auburn as a freshman, he was good. And then there was absolutely no development from that. It was the same stuff every single year. None of the weaknesses were improved. None of the strengths got stronger. And he's been the same kid the last three years. So I'm trying to figure out is he somebody that would be better off? Like, is he going to stay in the SEC or would he be better off getting outside the SEC and getting outside that footprint and going to like a Big Ten, a Big 12 or a Pac-12 school or even stepping down and going to a G5 in which they could, you know, try to build things around him instead of having to have him go up and get beaten Alabama and LSU and those teams and really kind of showcase his skills, which would improve maybe his draft stock. Because I do think that there's enough there athletically and talent-wise for him to have a possible pro future, but he's got to end up in the right situation. Who do you guys, who would you be after more? Adrian Martinez or Bo Nix? Are we pretty confident Bo Nix is going to get healthy by, by next season? If so, then I think Bo Nix. I might take Martinez. I think I like Adrian better, honestly. <laughs> so I mean, it's are- kind of a coin flip. Huh? It's it, There's really no difference between them, but I think I kind of like Adrian a little better. I like your Bo Nix point about how the athleticism that is an upside is not an upside when you've got the at- defensive athletes in the SEC. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Bo Nix taking a step outside into a conference that doesn't have that kind of size and speed on defense, all of a sudden he becomes a real difference maker. And I like if if Bo Nix somehow ends up at like an Oregon or somebody like that, I feel like now he becomes a Jag plus. You know what I'm saying? Instead of just a Jag in the SEC. And I think that would be good for him overall. So it's like I'm thinking of situations like that. Or if he ended up at like a group of five, like in the American or the Mountain West, I think he would have a dominant season that could really improve his draft stock. Cincinnati. Somewhere Not in the American it. Athletic Conference. He could be he he could uh <laughs> He could go to Houston. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, do you think he would go back to Gus? I don't think he should. He's trying to get drafted. That is not a very good move. No. Um, Who said Oregon for next? I did. Me. Somebody mentioned that? Have you seen that somewhere? Because that's interesting to me. I I have not heard it. 
I, I just as soon as it was announced last night that he was in the portal, I was trying to figure out, all right, what makes sense? And I just thought with, you know, a new coach coming in there, not exactly a defined quarterback situation. It's like that could be the kind of guy that's attractive to Dan Lanning, who is looking for somebody with veteran experience and thinks that he can maybe win soon to get somebody like that. And I think that he would probably fit. While I don't know what kind of offense Oregon's going to be running under Lanning, I think that Bo Nix will probably be somebody who fits what he's likely to do. Well, uh, our Brandon Marcello of 24-7 Sports did report that they have offered the uh, the job to Kenny Dillingham, who uh, was in Dan Lanning's wedding. He's currently FSU's uh, OC, although it's you know Norvell's offense. Um, and he was at Auburn in 2019. So, so he has experience right with Knicks. Yeah, mm-hmm. I wasn't sure if somebody else had floated that yet, but that makes a lot of sense. That's because I don't think Anthony Brown's any good. Mm-hmm. I th- yeah, I think Bo Nix is an upgrade on Anthony Brown for sure. Yes, I would agree. What about Ty Thompson? Is he out? No, that's a good question. Why did they play him this year? That's the thing, because it's like why. That's why I'm saying that the quarterback situation in Oregon's not really defined. Because it's like Ty Thompson's a highly rated recruit, but for some reason they wouldn't put him on the field ahead of Anthony Brown. Whether that was just Mario Cristobal and that staff being overly conservative, or maybe they just didn't feel Ty Thompson's ready to be in those games and playing with that stakes yet. So any other uh, transfer portal names to watch or headlines that have gotten y'all's attention here in the last couple of days? Uh, I was looking at our transfer portal, the 24-7 transfer portal tracker, and it said Dylan Gabriel, like, I, and, but you can help me, like, it says expected UCLA, and then Spencer Rattler says expected UCLA too. Is that very early leans? And they Those are like, just picks by by, uh, by experts or staff writers sometimes for, for those teams. Uh, it's much like the crystal ball that we have yeah. uh, for recruits. So it's not if, – if they're actually signed, it, it, it'll, it'll show it. Right. So UCLA apparently uh, in the mix as Chip Kelly is trying to, uh, to land another quarterback. Doesn't, doesn't Dylan Gabriel, the Tennessee, just make a lot of sense, though, with the Hypo connection? No, but what's his name's coming back? Oh, true. Yeah. Okay. Uh, he, he announced he's coming back. Yeah, yeah. and Hooker Hooker's looked pretty back. good. Dylan Gabriel, Oklahoma, something to keep an eye on. I could see that for that sure because they run yeah. that offense. Like The one question I would have with Gabriel, and Danny, I, I'm interested in your thoughts on this, and everybody else too, but because Danny played QB, I'm, I'm – I've played on video games. <laughs> well, this is fair. I, like, if you looked at what they ran at UCF, I mean, it was a lot of like hitches and goes and, you know, what one route concept type stuff. It, it's very much that Brile system. I, I, how translatable are Dylan Gabriel's skills to a non Brile's tree offense? Like, if he goes to Ole Miss, I think he'll kill it. If he goes to Oklahoma, I think he'll kill it. Those guys don't work out in the NFL almost as a rule. So far, maybe Crowell will buck that trend. Uh, but I am curious: Do we think you can take a guy out of that system and transfer over to another system? Uh, Auburn Gus actually took one from Baylor, uh, really highly rated guy at high school. We we liked him a lot. He was remember you know what I'm talking about? He's on the Patriots now as a backup. Stidham, Stidham, yeah, Jared Stidham, and he didn't really do much at, at Auburn. Um, how well do you think that translates, like like one college, you know, brow system to a, a non brow system in college? I've I've seen him throw. I saw him in person, and the ball he throws a beautiful ball. Like that's the first thing I think. And I'm like, if you can throw it, you can make it work in any system. Um, but I do think there are certain quarterbacks that you would not want to. And I do think it's like if if you can throw it in college, you should be able to have success. You know what I mean? Like. I don't think it's as big of a jump to the NFL. And from what we've seen from him so far, I think it's translatable. You know, I think he would be able to translate to another system. He's pretty athletic. He he throws a great deep ball. I think he's accurate. Yes. Yeah. yeah, that's in the one thing the numbers. A lot. Yeah, the one that's the one thing the numbers. For, I haven't checked him for this season yet, but I remember when the numbers that I've checked with Gabriel in the past do reflect that on deep balls, he is a spectacularly accurate compared to everybody else with his passes, both you know in meeting hitting guys in stride and just being well within range of where they're supposed to be. It's where he has struggled is the intermediate stuff. So I do think there is something to what you're saying, but where it's like kind of in that. Baylor-ish, Bryles type of offense, which is a lot of, you know, vertical routes and underneath stuff. It's that stuff in between where he has really kind of not shown as great of a propensity to be successful. So I think I think he's talented enough that if he gets coached into it, he'd probably improve. It's just, I don't know if going into his final year of eligibility, they're going to want to, you know, rejigger what he is as a quarterback. You think Jed Fish going to get somebody out of this? Because Rattler's from Arizona, Slovis is from 
I can see Arizona that. Arizona or, or was he Las Vegas? I'm trying to remember now. Um, I think he's Arizona, maybe Nevada, but definitely like one of the Southwest type type states. They need a QB in the worst way there. I I, I bet you they're going to luck into somebody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that's that's there. That's an interesting situation because I, I did think that when Rath, Rattler was originally announced he was transferring, I figured Arizona, like either them or Arizona State, and now we know Jaden Daniels. Is he staying? Is that? Yes, he is staying. So that would probably take them out of the Rattler sweepstakes. So yeah, I I wouldn't be surprised at all if the Wildcats land a pretty big name or at least a known transfer QB. And then uh, only reinforces our Arizona over four and a half for uh, 2022 because uh, they, sh- they play Jed- hard. They play hard. Jed Fish has them fighting. Yep. Coming up on the other side, some big coaching news over the weekend. Our chance to break that down, including not only our thoughts on Oregon's new head coach, but there's a little bit more to that story than I think we initially knew when the news broke on Saturday. We'll get into that and more next Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. So we're sitting there having just a... An awesome time. You know, Brett Toth coming in, crushing it. Caleb Campbell coming in, crushing it. John Radigan coming in. And and then all of a sudden, the chat starts lighting up. Dan Landing to Oregon. Dan Landing to Oregon. Dan Landing to Oregon. People people are starting to fly and be like, I thought y'all were a Georgia pod. Shut this down and go do an emergency right now on Dan Landing to Oregon. We had responsibilities to the United States Military Academy. Find over 200 roles at GoArmy.com. From the Army-Navy Watch Party presented by Army. Um, Dan Lanning is the, the hire, the Georgia defensive coordinator had a tremendous season. And the fact that he was a candidate for a head coaching job is not all that surprising. You, you could sell me on Dan Lanning to Oregon, but then two things have happened that I've learned since the initial news broke on Saturday afternoon. Number one, that reportedly, uh, the job was initially offered to Cal head coach, Justin Wilcox, somebody who we thought would love to be able to to get out of Berkeley was in a position where he was really frustrated with the way that the football season had gone with some of the restrictions that were placed on his football team. And you know, his former school, Oregon, where he played college ball, if he was given an opportunity, I would have thought that Justin Wilcox would have said yes. Um, Reportedly he did not. Also, there is a large group of former Oregon players headlined by, I would say by Joey Harrington, but um, including many of the the same figures and, and players who have helped make Oregon into the program that we know it today. And they um, are very upset. Well, Joey's very upset that his letter got uh, you know, leaked, I guess. But he they, they came together to make a statement uh, to the athletic director, Rob Mullins, to say, the feeling comes not from wins and losses, but rather the idea that in an attempt to chase a national championship, we are losing what made us great in the first place. This is not a blue blood program. Our success was built on continuity and hard work of players and coaches in the 30 years prior to 2016. And we as players feel we are dangerously close to losing our identity. 
So we've got an identity crisis within the Oregon football program. We've got a hire of a highly touted defensive coordinator. And I don't know why Justin Wilcox said no to this job. Can, can we make sense of this? First I of have all, no idea this was going on. So I'm very oh. curious as to what you guys say. Like, like I, we, Wilcox really passed. I bet mean, I've been kind yeah. of out of the yeah. loop. Confirmed. Mm-hmm. Confirmed. And you couldn't keep Mario, like who you wanted. Did like, you guys listen to the episode I did with Cooper on Tuesday? No. We talked about how like the Phil Knight money, the Phil Knight money, the Phil Knight money. It's in the buildings. It's in the head coach salary. But he talked about their difficulty in keeping their support staff people because they actually don't pay pay as well as a school like Washington or like a lot of other Pac-12 schools and how Mario had to fight to get, you know, five strength, strength coaches out there instead of, I think he said, three or four. So it seems like the, the Phil Knight money may not run that deep throughout the entire program. I, I read that, that as the former players. The, the former players basically drawing that line in the sand at 2016 is like them saying we were not down with the success that, or we were not down with the what was going on around the Mario Cristobal regime. Because you could look at him and be like, hey, Mario Cristobal, like, you know, he, he did a good job on the recruiting trail of like leveling up those efforts. The talent that he brought to Eugene was some of the highest rated individual prospects in the recruiting service database era. And yet you've got this group that is seems to be, um, I don't know, they they never mentioned Justin Wilcox by name, but uh, John Canzano of, of the Oregonian, he, he suggested that even though they didn't mention Justin Wilcox by name, they were very much campaigning for uh, one of their own to be the next head coach and to take over in Eugene. But, and Chip interviewed for it, right? But there was no offer. I mean, it sounds like there was a conversation. Maybe Chip, you know, maybe it just was pretty clear that neither side really wanted it that bad. Maybe. I don't know. That but, I did hear something on. Okay, what you got? Uh, I don't think Chip wanted the Oregon job. I think Chip wants a new contract from UCLA. So if Chip Kelly and Justin Wilcox don't want the Oregon job, what's wrong with the Oregon job? Is it really about this support staff issue? Because this is a... Expectations, maybe? It's hard to... It's hard to... I think there's something to... It's hard to get to. You know, you want to so, revisit that conversation we had where we ranked that job? No. After, after this new information? No, because I could bring in Come my, to my own side, culture. Guys. Come on. I could, I could bring in my own culture and we could win national titles there with my style. I... I don't know that there is anything wrong with the Oregon job. My, what's interesting to me is, like you mentioned, Joey Harrington, Marcus Mariota, a lot of former players wrote that letter. Is that like a problem with the process and culture of what Mario was doing, or were they just not as involved with Mario's staff because there wasn't those former connections and they just want to be in a spot where you know they feel like their opinions and thoughts and their ideas are more valued than it was under the new staff and is that why they were more interested in somebody like justin wilcox or chip kelly or like they said somebody with oregon connections because that way they felt like they could have more of a say in what was going on maybe like it 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 very well could be about power and influence it's it's a weird dynamic i think it's really hard to manage former players and coaching searches and hires because you want former players to feel like they're really important. And they are. They help build programs, right? But how many times have former players just gotten in the way of things and been more of a headache and been more of a distraction and gotten coaches fired because they didn't like them or they didn't like the, the way they were treated on the sideline or, well, back when we played, we were, you know, we did, we, we played and we had three days and we would really hammer it. It's a different, it's a, it's a massive business. And I say this even from Florida State side, like I've seen it there too. Well, this is very Miami. I was like, this is such a Miami thing right Mm -hmm. now. Yes, and how's it worked for them? They've been through how many coaches, you know, since Larry Coker? Because they listen to their players, and they're like, oh, this standard's not good enough. I mean, they sound like a bunch of fans, you know? like, And they are fans, and that's good. Again, you want to honor those guys, but a lot of them don't live on the side. They don't live in the same place. Miami, maybe they do, but they're not as involved. They hear things from afar. They're not watching practice every day. You know, they don't they don't have a vibe on the culture. And I think some of it is frustration with, you know, a generational gap of, oh, I can't believe these guys quit or that guy didn't, you know, hustle down the field. And it's different to manage that. So I get it. I'm, I'm an old school guy too, but it's things change. And I just feel like the more you cater to some of your former players that aren't on staff or on in the athletic department, I don't know if that's a good thing. I will say that's probably why Joey Harrington's so annoyed that this letter got leaked, though. Because it's like every single program in the country 
like Alabama has former players who probably don't agree with everything Alabama's doing, but they're not coming out publicly and complaining about it. And I feel what like they complaining about though. I mean, <laughs> but, but you get, you get what I'm saying though. It's like, it's, there's a difference between every program having former players who want to have influence and have ideas, but they're doing it privately or behind closed doors. And they're not going out and going on social media or going on radio shows and complaining about stuff. I think that's the difference between like Miami. It's like, everybody's got to be pulling in the same direction. It feels like at Miami, everybody is very rarely pulling in the same direction. And I think that's probably why Harrington and these former ducks are pretty annoyed that this letter was leaked. Are we sure about the Wilcox? Like, okay. So the Wilcox thing, he turned it down. Is there any chance that it was like strings attached? Like Napier was with Auburn last year. Like, Hey, we want you to be the coach, but you cannot take uh, the current Cal offensive coordinator. That's a pretty reasonable request on Oregon's part, I will say. Like, hey, Justin, you actually have to run an offense, not something that is total trash like you've been running there at Cal. Maybe. I mean, okay. it's – it's. I don't know why. I mean, there's there's all sorts of reasons he could turn it down. Like you said, it could also be like the approach that he wants to take, which is you know program building, which is kind of what the players are talking about and what it was when Wilcox was there. And if Phil Knight and that program is in a situation with the last few hires that they've made where they're trying to, you know, quote unquote, like they said in the letter, chase a national title, maybe it doesn't, it just didn't line up with his approach to wanting to build the program to what the school is trying to do in their time frame to get it to happen. Because maybe Wilcox is like, oh, yeah, I can do this, but it's going to take, you know, I've got a five year plan. Whereas Oregon's like, no, we want to be in the playoff next year competing for a title. Can I say I actually think the hire makes a lot of sense for continuity purposes in that? Yes. The way the way that Oregon has been recruiting, which is that Saban playbook, is exactly what Dan Lanning will try to bring there. Mm -hmm. So if you're trying to minimize your recruiting drop off, like Tom was saying, uh, and obviously you're going to have it a lot harder now because Lincoln's in L.A. and he's going to have right of first refusal on most of the kids. And there's a good number of kids. If Lincoln had been in L.A., Mario would not have signed at Oregon. But if you want to keep yourself in, in the recruiting battles and keep having a puncher's chance, having somebody who's going to run that exact same style recruiting operation and understands how it works. <clears throat> if you guys catch my drift here, it's very important mm -hmm. to, to play like the big boys. And Georgia, you know, Georgia recruits sure. as well as anybody. Uh, it's very important that you maintain that continuity. And I think that makes uh, makes a whole lot of sense there. Then I have no idea if it'll be successful, but like maybe also Cristobal was happy about that roster coming back, apparently. Yeah, like I mean, he, he told me. that's a talented team. Like they had a ton of injuries this year and they were still able to nearly, you know, they were still able to get to the Pac-12 championship and they were a playoff contender for most of the season, despite losing a lot of key guys all year long. I think it, it's a C plus R. No, I'm just kidding. That's Danny's <laughs> bit. Um, I I think Dan Lanning gets a, gets a, a, a deserved shot, right? I don't. I don't have any set expectations right now. I'm fascinated to see where this goes. Again, for me, I think the the sidelines, like Dan Lanning has an opportunity to be able to connect with these players in the coming months and to be able to try to rally them to buy into what he is, hopes or Oregon can be, what Oregon will be immediately. And I, I think that, you know, whatever discontent there is can certainly be overcome, but fascinating that justin wilcox said no to this just not not what i expected yeah according to to canzano uh athletic director rob mullins extended an offer to justin wilcox on friday and was turned down then he offered the job to dan lanning on saturday it was accepted crazy we will well, no, see. chip that's that can't be true because the coach yep. who accepts the job has always been the first one it was offered to always um, all right. So other coaching carousel news that uh, has become finalized or official in uh, the time since we last got together. Tony Elliott at Virginia. Mike Elko leaves Texas A&M defensive coordinator post to go to Duke. Uh, there have been some assistant coaching moves. Uh, what really stands out to y'all as, as some notable coaching carousel stuff that uh, that has your eye? I like Corey Raymond at Florida. Oh, uh, a lot of people do, right? Seems, he seems like he beat out Mario for that. Uh, it, it, that's that's the word down here in, in, in Florida that that uh, that the Canes wanted him. So, mm. uh, score one for Napier there in Gainesville. Um, I think that's that's a pretty good hire. We'll see about you know who LSU is able to get there. What did you think of uh, of Brian Kelly's dancing? That we haven't touched on that yet. That was, I mean, just smooth, fluid electric moves 
Didn't match the accent. He's got two viral sensation moments. Like, it's unreal. Maybe it's good. Maybe it's like, maybe it's a version of Lane Kiffin. Like, that's just, he's trying to get them. They're just not as cool. But if you follow Lane's vibe, he's like, hey, as long as they're talking about us, like, let's just be out there. But man, that was a bad luck. I mean, there was there were guns in there. There was there was a little like sixties, seventies vibe. There was, Oof. I mean, there there were there was the one photo from when Brian Kelly was still at Notre Dame where he was like down in the crouch and doing like this, like in a, a rap cover pose. So it's like <laughs> he's done this stuff before. It's just it's never gotten the same kind of attention it's going to get now. Like I, I, I know that the public perception of him is the guy you see purple and red face screaming on the sideline, but he's got some kind of he has that to him, that dancing stuff and that kind of being a goofball stuff. He's a politician. Mm-hmm. He's yeah. a politician. He knows how to play the game. Like he's out there doing whatever, you know, whatever it takes. He's gonna do it. Has he commented on the accent yet? Like has he has he addressed it? I haven't seen anything. <laughs> he he has one good excuse. Yeah, it will hold on. He doesn't. He could have had one good excuse, but the the family was the word that sounded awful. But when you're in a basketball arena and you're holding a handheld microphone and you're at midcourt, there is a delay. And if you're not used to hearing the delay and if you can't shut your ears off and only listen to what's in your head, then you wait for sentences and words to finish on the outside. And it makes you sound like you're talking slow. Yeah. He could have at least said that, but the, some of the way he pronounced those words is bad. When he does, when he does address it, I hope he doesn't try to give chips, you know, acoustical, acoustic reasoning. I hope he just says, "I got caught up in the moment. I love the people. Everyone I met had these great accents, and I just, I got so absorbed in the moment, I just turned into one of you guys." Like something. He's got to laugh about this. He uh, has to make fun of himself. And maybe like him dancing is a way of saying, hey, I'm going to make fun of myself. I don't know. But if he gets upset about it, he'll be Jim McElwain. I hope he comes out. I hope he comes out and says, from what I've been told and heard, I can use any accent I want as long as it's not Cajun. <laughs> um, him doing that little pose kind of reminded me a little bit of Mullen doing the same thing when, when Florida became a Jordan brand school and he went all in on that and he's hitting them with the – the hook and and uh, um that was interesting i'm also really shocked that lsu's video team which i consider the best in the country could not make that thing look a little bit better yeah like don't can't you photoshop him on top of like i don't know some famous dancing movie or 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 clip i mean look some of the dorkiest people you know are also the wealthiest right so the man signs like 10 million dollar 11 million dollar a year contract I'll, I'll do whatever you whatever y'all want. Come on, let's go. Especially for a five star QB, you want me to dance on this podium? Okay, let's do okay, it. Let's yep. go. <laughs> Nothing but wins here. Um, I'll say, uh, and Tom uh, pointed this out in the group chat, but for the the Tony Elliott to Virginia move, it was like the 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 word is timing because there was a snag in the negotiations. Virginia couldn't come up with something. And all of a sudden, there's a university release that says the University Board of Visitors has approved a $10.5 million transition of funds to the athletic department for facility improvements. And what do you know, about an hour later, Tony Elliott to Virginia is introduced. So I think that Tony Elliott came in from Clemson with a notebook of places, things that needed to be fixed and monies that were needed to do it. And good on Virginia for uh, getting the university administration to agree to it so that they could get themselves who, somebody who I think can be very successful leading that program. Tony Elliott came in and said, listen, I've won national titles at Clemson. I've seen what it takes to win national titles in this sport. You need a water slide, and we don't <laughs> have a water slide. We have to get a water slide in here or else we don't have a prayer. I'm going to go out on a limb. I've seen Clemson's revamp thing with the slide through the, you know, right through the football office and the basketball court right outside and the little wiffle ball baseball field that's outside and the locker room. I'm going to guess it costs a little more than the 10 mil they just got pumped up. <laughs> so I think this will be an upgrade. I don't know if they're getting Clemson's, Clemson North. I don't know if they're getting that. Um, yeah. Mike Elko to Duke. Good hire for Duke. I mean, better than Jason Garrett. Yeah. I don't know. all the sense in the world. Yeah. I mean, I think this is a clap. What's that? How is this clapping? How's Mike Elko's clap? 
It's a C plus for me. <laughs> no, but you're talking about an SEC defensive coordinator whose name kind of comes up at bigger jobs, you know, at other times. I get he's a Ivy League guy who played at Penn, but I think like we'd all agree Duke is one of the harder jobs. I'm a little bit surprised Duke was able to get him, you know, the, to be frank. I mean, the key for me is like Duke is atrocious defensively. So if you want to, you know, swing <laughs> the other way, like get get we talk about defensive coordinators as head coaches as something that's negative if you want to compete at the highest level and win championships but get yourself a defensive coordinator as a head coach and keep that score down give yourself a shot to win those ball games that could be a good way to get duke to bowl games it also i mean you, you have to think different coaches have different goals for what they want out of their careers like mike elko like if you look at schools like duke smaller private schools in the power five northwestern wake forest you have some success there you're not competing for national titles, but you can spend your entire career there. Like, look at David Cutcliffe, how long he was at Duke and how long he was able to be there. So Mike Elko might be like, I could take this job and have some stability in my life. And instead of, you know, being worried about being on the hot seat every other season, if I go six and six, I can, you know, raise, I could start my family or whatever. I don't know if he's married or has kids, but just I can move into this community and become a part of this community and have a good power five job. So it's not easy to win there, but it's also, you've seen situations, like I said, with Claus and with Fitz, other similar schools like that, where it could be a career destination for you. Yeah. He gets to, uh, as his permanent cross division rival, go up against his old boss from Bowling Green and Wake Forest and Dave Clawson. That's the new. Clawson against his assistants. Mm -hmm. That's the new rivalry. It's going to be the new stat right there. Yeah. Um, awesome. Any Anything else of note, either coaching carousel or elsewhere before we uh, we get out of here? Uh, I, I talked about it with Danny this morning on his radio show, and I, I texted you guys about it. I've been crushing Tommy DeVito film to prepare for Illinois 2022, and I got to tell you guys, six wins. Here we come. There you go. Like on the would you want them? Like I, I didn't even ask the question because I just was like, heck yeah, we want them. Mm -hmm. Everybody wants Tommy DeVito. That's right. Go. Can't believe he wasn't the first quarterback we brought up in the transfer discussion. <laughs> I, uh, I'll give a shout out to Akron. I think Joe Moore made a nice hire at defensive backs coach. Trey Bell uh, is pretty respected in Tallahassee. Uh, I think that's, that's a shrewd hire. I know it's a Mac school, but we're at the end of the pod. So, hey. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Manny Diaz to Penn State. I we like it. Yeah, we touched a bit on that on Saturday night during the live the, during the live show. Uh, yeah, no, I think that's a great hire for both sides. I think that just makes all the sense in the world for both parties. And you saw Poindexter there, too. Mm -hmm. So the, you know, a little bit of continuity uh, all the way through for James Franklin's staff. You can follow him on Twitter at Tom Finelli. You can follow him at Danny Canelli. You can follow him at Bud Elliott 3. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply.